Welcome to Real Paranormal Activity, the network. Entertainment you'll enjoy. You are listening to an RPA production where people gather. Foss Corporation, LLC. Welcome once again to the mansion on the hill, the house of strange, the palace of mystery. This is the home of Terry's mysterious moments. This is season five. We thank you for listening to the show. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back, and Happy New Year, and all that jazz. I am back, but my allergies are making it almost impossible for me to talk very long. So we're going to do something different today. I'm going to replay stories from previous episodes. I'm going back to season one for the first one, episode nine. We're talking about ghost pets. And this is something that uh, I've seen a lot of on the internet lately, different stories, people talking about ghost pets, asking about can that be? And in season one, episode nine, I did a show on ghost pets because I've got or I've had a couple of ghost pets in my house. They've since moved on, which is really sad, but I guess it's better for them. So bear with me. And in in the second part of the show, it's an uh, episode from season two about analyzing ghost stories just some information you may be interested in listening to so let's get started shall we a listener sent in a story about ghost pets that's something I have a little knowledge with so I thought it would be an interesting show for you. A reader named Amber wrote in and suggested this story line for the show, so I'll read you what she wrote me. Hi, Terry. I just found your podcast, and now I'm, list- I'm binge listening while I work. I was just wondering, since I haven't had a chance to browse all your stories, if anyone's brought up pet stories, as in ghosts. I have a couple stories. I am also a paranormal fanatic, and am a founding member of an investigation group here in Arkansas. Anyway, nice to meet you and can't wait to listen to all this awesome stuff. So I contacted Amber and I said, well, thanks for listening. I hope you're enjoying the show. I haven't yet done a pet-related show yet, but I'm game since one of my previous cats seems to be in resonance with us. It's not constant, but often enough. Send me your stories, and I'll make an announcement on the page, and we'll see where we can go with it. So any of you that look at the Terry's Mysterious Moments page, you saw the ad 
that I was asking for ghost pet stories. But anyway, she sent me the stories. This is Amber's message. The first one happened about 10 years back. My ex's parents live on this country back road, and in past convos, his dad mentioned that the former landowner named the street Brandy after his beloved dog. We were staying with him for a bit while apartment hunting, and they always did Sunday dinner. That Sunday, I volunteered to do the after-dinner dishes while everyone was outside. While standing at the sink, a little yellow dog walked in front of my feet, and out of instinct, I stepped back and said, Oh, excuse me. I talk to animals like they're people. After a few minutes, it dawned on me that the ex's family had two dogs, but they were neither small or yellow. I walked outside and asked my ex's dad about Brandy, as far as what kind of dog she was. He said she had been a little yellow cocker spaniel. He looked confused when I asked, but that look changed to amazement when I explained that I had just crossed paths with Brandy in their kitchen moments before. And she goes on, the second one isn't so long. My rat terrier, Misty, crossed the Rainbow Bridge two years ago, February 15th. I had had her for almost 12 years and it was the hardest decision I'd ever made. She had had a stroke, seizures, and was clearly in pain. My best friend and now fiancé stood by my side through the entire ordeal, and the fiancé even dug her a little grave at Nana's, my mom's, after. I cried for days and begged God to please let me know that she had made it home safe and that she was really all right. I cried myself to sleep that night, and the only dream I had, I heard her barking. She hadn't barked in really a long time before she passed. I remember being really excited and going to my bedroom door in my dream, and upon opening it, there was a blinding, warm, white light. And there she was, standing in the doorway, fat, healthy, eyes sparkling and tail wagging. She barked once or twice more and turned and ran back into that light. I still miss her, but I know that was God's and her way of letting me know that she was, in fact, home and happy. Wow, Amber, those are two really good stories. Both of them heartwarming because it showed that, number one, the first dog, Brandy, wanted to know that she still owned the place, and the second one, that your dog Misty wanted to let you know that after being her friend for all those years she wanted you to know that she was fine just like you had asked and we're going to move on to a second story from a friend of mine from high school named Linda Linda writes to me Tina a 15 year old Pomeranian passed away due to a near lifetime of diabetes I had very real, vivid dreams of her close to me. I'd catch glimpses of her from the corner of my eye, frequently. One day I was putting up laundry in my closet when I turned and there she was, sitting on the floor just as real and alive as she used to be. I dared not look away knowing she would disappear, but I blinked and still there she was, a paw up like she used to do when asking for a treat. I said her name tears welling up and falling so fast. Tina, oh baby, I miss you so much. I hope you are okay now. The tears fell like a river and my eyes blurred. Then I wiped away the tears and Tina was gone. 
During this time, after Tina left us, it was a little less than a month later, Buddy's health declined quickly. He was one of her puppies from a litter she had when she was two years old. I think he never got over losing his mama. I knew his time was short. That night, in the wee hours of the morning, Buddy went over the Rainbow Bridge. I was laying on the bathroom floor with him, and I woke once, when Buddy's body shuddered, and I saw Tina beside us. When I woke up again, Tina was gone, and Buddy's body was cold. She writes, I'm crying again now. Then goes on, earlier in the day, when I saw Tina in the closet, I think she came back to wait for Buddy. She knew his time was close. After that night, I never saw them again, except for dreams. That's a good story, Linda, and very heartwarming that you had two pets that you love so closely, and, and one of them came back to help the other go across the bridge. Now, my own little story isn't, isn't much. There's no absolute proof I saw nothing. But we have had two very special cats pass away on us here in the, the house we used to own and then this house. And the first cat was named Stockings. She was a tortoise shell female. And she sickened and died here at the, the first house we had. And then sometime later, we had a cat named Joshua. He was a gray and white tomcat. Beautiful, beautiful cat, loving, but he died also. Uh, he was older, so he died. So since then, I can be sitting on the bed, and it will feel like a cat jumps up onto the bed and walks up the length of the bed, but when I turn around, there's no cat. Now, we do have cats in the house, but they don't usually do that because I keep my door shut. And they don't come in the bedroom that much. But the question is, do pets come back? Yeah, sometimes just like their owners come back. Pets come back to give us comfort, give us messages that they are okay. Or in the case of this Pomeranian mother, came back to help her son over the bridge as he died. Sometimes they come back to prove that they're still the boss of the house like Brandy did. But as Misty did in the second story, came back to let her know, let her best friend know that she was okay. I think pets do that, and, and I think pets attend a certain type of heaven. Maybe they're waiting for their owners to come across. I don't know. I don't have any concept anything other than that because as a created being I do not believe that God lets his animals perish so I think that we may have an entire heaven full of animals not just pets but all kinds of animals we may see what earth look like when we get to heaven I don't know I, I'm just those are my beliefs those are my thoughts uh, you can agree or disagree. I'm not going to be upset if you do or, or don't agree with me. Well, that's my stories for this week on this episode of Terry's Mysterious Moments. 
I would like to hear from the readers more. I've gotten some really fine messages back on the Angels episode, the last episode we did. One man says that what I said reminded him that his grandfather had said the same thing shortly before he passed. And another person wrote in and said that I really helped answer some questions they had about angels. So I love to hear feedback from from my listeners. I appreciate you listening, for one thing. I appreciate you being out there. And I want to be able to tell your stories. I want you to be comfortable with sending me stories and understanding that I'm going to be gentle. I'm going to be personal. I'm, I'm not going to just frivolously throw the story out there. So you can send me stories at Terry's Mysterious Moments on Facebook or through Terry's Mysterious Moments at gmail.com. That's Terry's Mysterious Moments on Facebook or Terry's Mysterious Moments at gmail.com. I really want to hear some stories from folks. I'm, I enjoy hearing things. I enjoy hearing feedback. I mean, if you like the show, please let me know. I love to hear from you. I had forgotten how good those stories were, except when I went back to listen to them, they just really struck me. If you have stories about ghost pets, please send them in. I'd love to hear them. I'd love to read them for you if you'd like me to. Anyway, this next one is, I called it, analyzing ghost stories and not so much analysis but looking at the ghost stories and kind of seeing where they came from getting a a little bit of history on them so here we go with this one from season two analyzing ghost stories ghost stories When talking about ghost stories, the first question we need to answer is, what is a ghost? Ghosts are also called specters. They have other names, phantoms, phantasms, different things. A ghost, in some people's way of thinking, is a person's spirit. And that person's spirit exists separately from the body and continues on after the body dies. I do agree that a person has a spirit, that the spirit remains with the body while the body is alive, then after the body dies it goes on to wherever we go, and it depends on your belief. Like I said, the spirit does live on, but as to a discussion as to what happens to it, I'll not get into. There can be too many arguments. So over the centuries, the ghost story has become a part of almost every culture on earth. The Japanese have a great culture of spirits in their belief system. Chinese believe in spirits. People in South America greatly believe in spirits. People in North America do too. Europe, all kinds of things. So all over the world there are ghost stories of a type. I would guess that as population on the earth increased, the spreading of ghost stories also increased. Some may have jumped cultures. I would guess that as population increased, so did the the ghost stories. And 
again, like I said, they would jump cultures. They would be translated into the culture that assimilated the story. In the first century AD, we find one of the oldest ghost stories on record. The great Roman author and statesman Pliny the Younger wrote about a specter of an old man with a long beard wearing chains like shackles, like slave chains, who would appear in the home that Pliny lived in in Athens, Greece in the first century. Now, as I remember the story, the old man finally got his message across that he had been a slave in that household and that when he died, he was buried under one of the stones in the, the courtyard or something. When they lifted the stone and dug, they found the man's bones. And when they gave it a decent burial, the spirit ceased appearing in the household. The Greek writer Lucian and Pliny's fellow Roman, Platus, wrote ghost stories also. Around about 856 A.D., the first reported poltergeist, or noisy ghost, was reported at a farmhouse in Germany. Which is okay because poltergeist is from the German, and like I said, it means noisy ghost. Or it's loosely translated into noisy ghost. This particularly bothersome spirit threw stones at the inhabitants of the house and started fires all over the place. Now, whenever we think of poltergeist, we think of this kind of thing in the walls or scratching or somebody being pinched or tickled or poked. We think of rocks being thrown. We think of glasses being knocked off counters, that kind of thing. As each society has its own ghost stories, so countries have their own ghosts. England has an abundance of spirits. And many of those spirits are royals. And one man to think for that is none other than Henry VIII. He did his best to, to fill the quota for royal ghosts in England just by getting married. Anne Boleyn, who was Henry VIII's second wife, was executed after being falsely accused of various crimes, witchcraft, having an affair, incest, all kinds of things like that. Now, Anne is not to blame for becoming a ghost because, like I said, it was Henry's choice to have her killed, but Anne came back as a particularly active ghost. It is written that Henry's matrimonial reputation is not of the best. His dealings with his six wives, tomb of whom he did to death, have certainly put him, according to popular opinion, among the arch-villains of history. Now, he had two killed. He let one die after giving birth to a male heir, which was all important. However, Henry himself, being such a great sinner that he was, being such a horrid man, having affairs of his own, before he decided to put them, the last wife away for whatever reason. He died at the age of 56. And like the king in the Bible, Ahab, when his enormous corpulent body was put in its casket on a bier to be seen by the public, the bier broke and his body fell and hit the floor and the dogs came in to lick up his blood, which is what happened to King Ahab in the Bible. But Henry, for all of his wrongdoings and all of his sins and all of his meanness, has never been seen haunting anywhere in England. 
It's the two wives that he had executed, Anne Boleyn and Catherine Howard. And I started speaking about Anne. Well, Anne was a very young woman and given to people gossiping about her. A lot of stories came out. Henry couldn't handle it, so he had Anne condemned to death. And in true form of her fighting her death, she is fighting her afterlife apparently because she has appeared numerous times in numerous places around London and in the house that she grew up in. And Anne sometimes will appear without her head or carrying her head, which can cause untold fright for the people at see her. And usually the people at see her are guards at the Tower of London, which is where she died. There's a place called Blickley Hall in Norfolk. It says, Her much-traveled ghost is said to make a spectacular appearance every year on the anniversary of her death, driving up the avenue to the hall in a coach. She sits, holding her head in her lap, and the coach is drawn by headless horses. The whole thing pulls up in front of Blickling. B-L-I-C-K-L-I-N-G. Blickling Hall. And then vanishes into the air. Phantom coaches and headless horses have been, by tradition, been associated with witchcraft and devil worship. She has also been been seen driving furiously along the roads of Norfolk, headless in her spectral coach, followed by a strange blue light. She's been reported in Kent, this time being driven up the avenue of Hever Castle, which is where she grew up, apparently, at a furious pace in a funeral coach, drawn by six black headless horses. Hever, a 13th century castle near Edenbridge, was once her home. This is where Henry wooed both Anne and her sister Mary. Mary was an earlier mistress of Henry before Anne entered the picture. The great oak where he courted Anne still stands, and they say that her ghost is seen there every Christmas time. But Anne most persistently haunts the tower where she met her death with such scornful courage. She was buried in the church of St. Peter at Vincular, which is within the tower itself. Many years later, it said her coffin was opened, and she was identified by the remains of the famous, or infamous as you look at it, sixth finger that she had on one hand. She said to haunt this little church in particular when a death is imminent. A ghostly ritual is then held in the aisle. The witnesses of this are a 19th century officer of the guard who noticed a bright light shining inside the church and asked the sentry outside the church what it was. The soldier replied he didn't know, nor did he wish to investigate. Queer things took place inside that church, he said. The officer decided to investigate himself. He ordered the sentry to fetch a ladder. The officer mounted the ladder and peered into the window of the church. The church was filled with an eerie, glowing light, and the officer saw a procession of people dressed in Elizabethan costume moving along the aisle. At the head of the procession was a splendidly dressed and bejeweled woman whose face, the officer said, was like that of the portrait of Anne Boleyn. This phantom procession passed along the aisle, then suddenly vanished, together with the ghostly light by which it had been illuminated, leaving the little church in utter darkness. 
It was noted that Anne was seen at this time unmutilated. She had her head in place. And this was as she had been at the height of her success and power. But it's not always the case. Some of her appearances are more horrific and many soldiers on guard at the tower have been terrified when they encountered her. In 1817, a century had a fatal heart attack after meeting her on a stairway. And in 1864, a soldier came under court-martial for being found asleep on duty. But he claimed to have been in a swoon after encountering Anne Boleyn. The story goes that the man was at his post near the lieutenant's lodgings. I don't know the layout of the Tower of London area, so any of you in England may be able to understand what I'm talking about. He was at his post near the lieutenant's lodgings when he suddenly was confronted by a white figure. He made the usual challenge, but received no reply. And he made a thrust with his fixed bayonet, as he was trained to do, whereupon he said there was a fiery flash, which ran up his rifle and gave him such a burning shock that he dropped the rifle. After that, he remembered no more. When he was further questioned about the appearance of the figure in white, he said, it was the figure of a woman wearing a queer-looking bonnet, but there wasn't no head inside the bonnet. The court erupted in laughter, but the amusement ceased when the offending soldier called evidence to corroborate what he said. Several witnesses told the court that they had seen a headless woman in white near the lieutenant's lodgings that night. An officer gave sensational evidence to the effect that he was in his room in the bloody tower when he heard the challenge, who goes there? He looked out of the window and saw the sentry confronted by a figure in white. He saw the sentry thrust at the ghostly intruder with his bayonet. The figure, he said, not only walked through the bayonet, but through the sentry as well. He then saw the soldier collapse unconscious, and the soldier was found in this position and accused of sleeping while on duty. The court-martial found him not guilty, and he was acquitted. It doesn't say whether the court believed his story, but they must have come to the conclusion that something inexplicable had been going on at the tower that night. Anne Boleyn's ghost apparently made another appearance at the tower in 1933 when, according to newspaper reports, she walked straight into the bayonet of another guard and scared him so much that he dropped his rifle and fled from his post into the guardroom shouting for help. Considering its grim history as a place of execution and imprisonment, there are relatively few ghosts at the tower. The wife after Anne Boleyn was Jane Seymour, who died of puerperal fever in the following year, 1537. They married in 1536, I believe. After giving birth to the child who would become Edward VI, it is said that her life was forfeited so that the child the male heir would live. They basically took care of the baby but left her to die. Jane was uneasy at the way that she took over from Miss Boleyn and it's said that after she died her spirit remained earthbound in order to try to contact Anne and make things right with her. She's said to haunt the Silver Stick Gallery in Hampton Court Palace every year on the birthday of the baby prince whose birth had meant her death. Dressing in white, she carries a lighted candle in her hand. She ascends the staircase leading to the gallery, along which she is said to glide wreathed in a silvery light, 
to vanish from sight at the end of the gallery. All this despite the fact that she had a most lavish funeral and 1,200 masses were paid to ensure that her soul had the peace it was considered it deserved. Anne apparently can be seen by many. Jane, on the other hand, can only be seen by people who may have ESP, according to the way they figure things. Henry married Anne of Cleves in 1540, and apparently she was okay, but he wanted another woman, so he married Catherine Howard. Catherine Howard was Anne Boleyn's cousin. She was a young girl at the time, and unfortunately she had the reputation of, as we say around here, uh, the reputation of an alley cat. She was reported to have many liaisons with men, older men, younger men, rich men, poor men. It didn't matter as long as it was a male. Once they married, and this came to light, Henry couldn't stand that, so he had Catherine put away. And Catherine was actually in love with her cousin Thomas Culpepper and didn't want to die. But she apparently escaped her cell and ran down a gallery toward the, the little room where Henry, in ultimate hypocrisy, was praying for her soul. She tried to get into him, but the guards caught her and took her back into the cell. And then they took her down the Thames to the tower, and she was beheaded at the tower block. So we see that England has, by these examples, quite a few ghosts, spirits, revenants, whatever you want to call them. They have many other stories from England that will just curl your hair. America has come into its own with ghost stories. Living in San Antonio, I know we have a lot of ghost stories in San Antonio. And I know that some of them are just outright frauds. And I, I try to tell people, you know, it may be fun to go do this particular thing, but it's not real. There was nothing that happened out there that caused this to be. And it's not always a popular position to take. But we do have ghost stories, and, and ghost stories that can be corroborated by witnesses, by many witnesses, over the years, we have such as the Minger Hotel, we have the Alamo itself, we have the area around the Alamo, we have different hotels downtown, not only the Minger, but the Gunter, the St. Anthony is supposedly haunted. We have had hospitals here in town that were haunted. We've had parks that were haunted. And that's only in San Antonio. We have many stories across Texas. Uh, we have many stories across the United States and into Canada, into Mexico. So ghost stories are something that's part of the culture. And whether they're, they're true or not, or whether they're based on fact, it really doesn't matter because ghost stories, in my opinion, in some cases, are merely cautionary tales. For instance, the story of La Llorona, the woman who apparently killed her children, her illegitimate children, by throwing them in a river in order to make the man that fathered them be okay with marrying her. Well, it didn't work out. There are various stories on the, the situation, but it, it's basically she killed the children in order to get with the man. The man didn't want her, rejected her, so... She is known to wander the banks of the river, rivers, wherever she is known to be, crying for her children. 
and apparently in Mexican culture, one of the boogeymen that, that grandmas tell their grandkids, La Llorona will get you if you don't watch out. If you're out late, if you're doing something wrong, La Llorona will get you. Uh, it's very much like El Cucuy. Uh, I've been called El Cucuy in the past, but I was dressed up in a very scary costume. So we have different, different, uh, different stories from the Mexican, the Hispanic, the Spanish cultures. And I don't know if they've got bases in fact or what. We've got, we've got uh, lake creatures in the United States and Canada. And we've got other stories. And we've got haunted hotels all around the, the countries. Ghost stories are a major part of culture. Because it lends itself to a discussion on spirituality. What is the spirit? What is the soul? Do we live on after death? I believe we do. So, if you ever want to get with a bunch of friends, maybe build a campfire out in the woods, or maybe just sit around on a night like this where you can hear the rain pounding on the roof and the thunder in the background, cut out the lights, just have a, a small candle or something lit, and you tell ghost stories. You can have fun that way. But be careful, because some of those stories can be true. And so, like I said, it's a, it's a cautionary tale for people to believe in things that go bump in the night. Things that scare us when we don't really want to be scared, when we don't need to be scared. That's about all I have for this week. I just wanted to discuss that, talk about that, because there are so many ghost stories about so many levels of society. There are poor people. There are rich people. There are people in the middle. There are good people. There are bad people. There are law officers. There are criminals. There are religious people. There are unreligious people. So, they can be about anything, but most of them can be true or very close to true and we can have fun with them when we talk about them. So that's it for this week and I hope to be back with a regular type show next week. So enjoy, have a good week and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.